0: A warm welcome to all, especially any visitors that we have with us today. My name is Michael Risk and I'm part of the ministry staff here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church and today we are looking at the final sermon in our sermon series in Nehemiah. Over the last five five weeks we have been looking at the first six chapters of Nehemiah and today we're looking at Nehemiah chapter six. As we come to God's word this morning, let's commit our time together in prayer. Please pray with me. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, be with us now as we come to your word. Father, we pray that as we come to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be working powerfully. That through Him these words would be living and active. And as we work through this passage today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be changing and transforming us to live in more in live in greater accordance with your word. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We have been called to build God's house. This house is not bricks and mortar. God's house is the church. More specifically, the church is the people living stones built upon the chief cornerstone Christ a building God's house means making it bigger how do we make the church bigger I hear you ask the church grows I want to suggest in two ways first through adding living stones to the already existing structure through making the gospel known to those who don't know it. For us, this is sharing with the city of Hobart, our friends, our families, our colleagues, the good news of what Jesus has done. We share with those around us that Christ is king, that his ways are best, that his instructions are worth following. Why? because Jesus made the world he knows the best way for looking after the world he knows the best ways for how the world can function we share that Christ is king and we share that Christ is Savior we share and say that this magnificent King doesn't just rule us and say that his ways are best we share how this king left his place in heaven, was born of a woman, shared in our humanity and experienced all the pains and struggles that we go through. However, he lived the sinless life that we could not. Jesus lived the sinless life and he now equips us through his Holy Spirit. How this same Holy Spirit equipped Jesus and this Holy Spirit equips us. We are able to put sin to death because we have been equipped to do so by the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived the sinless life for us and he also died for us. Christ died the death meant for us. Friends, the cross was meant to be our punishment Where God's wrath was meant to be poured out on us. Where the punishment of death and the lake of fire was meant for us. But Christ in his mercy takes upon himself our sins, our debts, our disobedience. All done against God. He takes our punishment on the cross and he bears it. It's on the cross that we see Christ's mercy displayed. And then it's in the resurrection that we see the promises of Christ and his grace. In his mercy, he takes our punishment. And then in his grace, in his grace, he gives us eternal life. The resurrection gives us a secure promise, a secure hope of being able to dwell with God. And with God all the pains, all the sins of the fall will be gone and done away with. We build God's house by adding to the existing structure living stones. But we also build God's house. We grow the structure through maturing God's people we equip God's people in understanding of God's word so that they can share the gospel with those around them but we also equip the saints in their understanding of the gospel so that they can continue to stand firm in the faith when trials, suffering, and opposition comes our way. In our passage today in Nehemiah chapter 6 we are met again with external opposition external opposition that Nehemiah has been facing and these opponents are going for one last hurrah in chapter 6 verse 1 we read Sanballat, Tobiah, Gesheb and the rest of the enemies had heard about the wall and heard that the wall was almost complete and they sought to put this work to a halt. Three times they attempted to disrupt the building of the wall this is a reminder to us that we too will face opposition as we seek to build God's house as we seek to share the gospel and grow ourselves and others in Christian maturity the question then is how can we overcome and thrive when these challenges come our way only with the help of our God with the help of our God we will overcome these challenges with the help of our God we will build his house I have three points that we will be working from today and then a fourth our first three points point number one the trap second the accusation and third the plot and then our fourth point the wall complete but the house unfinished. The wall complete but the house unfinished. We start with these three points which are three attempts made by Nehemiah's enemies to make the Jews stop their work on the wall. Each of these attempts is a plan to eliminate Nehemiah and by extension stop the work. Let's look at this first attempt and our first point together. First point, the trap. Have a look with me at verses 2 and 3 of our passage. Verse 2. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? In an attempt to stop the work, Sanbalet and Geshem try to get rid of the one who has been the source of their problems. They see this problem personified in Nehemiah. So what do they do? They send him a letter. This letter is an invitation to meet with them in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. At the plain of Ono would have been considered neutral territory and was about 43 kilometers away from Jerusalem. To go to the Plain of Ono would have taken Nehemiah away from his task of building the wall for several days. It was a distraction that he didn't need, especially if such a meeting was more than just a meeting to distract Nehemiah, but a scheme to do him harm. Uh, What was this harm? We aren't told, but it would have been whatever means necessary to stop Nehemiah from building threats, bodily harm, perhaps even death. Knowing this, Nehemiah replies, I cannot come and meet with you because I'm doing a great work and I can't afford to leave. And Nehemiah has focus. He has a task to build the house of God and he doesn't want anything to distract him nor harm the work that he's doing. Uh, This is the kind of devotion that you and I need. You and I are surrounded by many things. Surrounded by many things that will distract us. Surrounded by things that will cause harm to the progress on things that require our time and attention. I know some in our church have just finished uni exams and our year 11 and 12 students just finished very recently. I remember it wasn't long ago that I was doing my uni exams and I remember as I studied for those exams during my arts degree, I remember I looked for every kind of distraction. And you know what happened? Well, I fell into the trap of spending more time watching TV series rather than studying for my exams sometimes when we are meant to be doing really important work is the moment when we are most prone to getting distracted and once you and I are distracted it's very hard to get out of that trap building God's house is a very important task it's a task that God has given to us his church So I need to ask at this point, have any of us fallen into the trap of being taken away from building God's house? Is anything distracting us from doing this important work? Is anything harming the progress needed for us to build God's house? Building God's house happens in a number of ways. Sharing your faith with school friends work colleagues friends family encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ when they have fallen on hard times teaching your children to know and to love and to serve God teaching and warning each other from the truth of God's Word living out the gospel saying no to sin and yes to Christ these are just a few examples there are many ways to build God's house brothers and sisters in Cornerstone are we building God's house or is something distracting us is something harming our progress our friends there will always be things that will seek to distract us seek to harm our progress Seek to take us away from doing this great work which God has given us to do, to build his house. If you have fallen into such a trap that is preventing you from doing this great work, repent. Turn to God and say, Lord, I need your help. You need to take appropriate action to remove those things that are trapping you, that are distracting you from doing God's work and then you have to start doing the work sometimes in very small ways in our passage Shabbiah and Geshem have failed to trap Nehemiah so they now move on to the next plan of action point number two the accusation most of us would be familiar with the quote of Will Rogers it takes a lifetime to build a good reputation but you can lose it in a minute Verse 5 tells us that Sanbalat now sends a fifth letter. Inside this letter is an accusation that Nehemiah is committing treason. That once the wall is complete, he is going to make himself king. Sanbalat says that this message is proclaimed throughout all Jerusalem. Sanballat also says that other nations are confirming this as well. What a scary thing to be saying and what is also scary is unlike the previous letter this letter is unsealed and most letters would be rolled up a piece of string tied around it and then wax sealed this letter is an unsealed letter and so the letter could have been read by anyone it would have been read by the messenger it would, have been read, it would have been heard about, this message, by all those who the messenger came in contact with. So not only was this slanderous rumor being conspired among the officials of the other nations, this message would have been shared by all those who came in contact with the messenger. This slanderous rumor is being conspired among the elites and is being shared among the most common of folk. Can you imagine if something like this happened to you? Imagine with me for a second that you work for an organization, perhaps you do, and imagine that a colleague is suggesting that you have been sabotaging your organization. There are some obvious loose ends to the email, and if you look hard enough, some things just don't add up. However, if this email is read quickly, and not much thought went into it. On the surface it might just sound plausible. Now imagine that this email isn't just sent to you but CC'd into the email is everyone in your department. Everyone in your department has just been told that you are sabotaging your organization. Even though you know the matter is untrue and with a lot of work, you could prove to everyone that this email has no grounds, and it's actually false. But the damage has already been done, hasn't it? People would still look at you differently. People would think that maybe you didn't do this. But perhaps you're capable of doing it. People would be cautious around you from now on. Some people may not even trust you despite the years you have tried to build a good reputation among your colleagues in this instance everything everything has just changed a whole lifetime building a reputation ruined in a single minute in our passage Nehemiah is being accused of treason with one simple letter his reputation was about to be destroyed he had spent a lifetime building a good reputation with the king. He was the king's cupbearer. He was made governor of Jerusalem. He was given special permission by the king to be able to work on this wall. His whole reputation was about to be destroyed. But you know what? You know what? Nehemiah notices something this letter just doesn't make sense Sanbalat makes the accusation of treason but instead of saying I've sent this letter to the king he says let us meet together if Sanbalat really did expect treason he wouldn't be telling Nehemiah he would have gone straight to the king for if such a rumor was true the king could easily remove Nehemiah so Nehemiah realizes that something is up It's just another ploy for him to leave the work and for Sanbalat to perhaps distract him and cause him harm. And so he responds thusly Sanbalat, nothing of what you say is true it's all in your head. Nehemiah avoids danger again however the damage has already been done. This letter has been made public knowledge so what does Nehemiah quickly do? he prays to God he prays Lord strengthen my hands Lord don't let us give in to fear but Lord keep us strong for the task ahead as you and I seek to build God's house there will be many who will try and destroy our reputations there have been some in our church who've experienced this firsthand, and their reputations have been damaged in the public eye because they have made stands on marriage they have made stands on free speech so don't be surprised don't be surprised as our society continues to walk away from Christian values and as a, ch- as a church as we seek to promote the gospel and share with others what Christ has done in our lives, what he's doing in our lives, that our reputations will be damaged. But we're prepared for such an outcome, aren't we? We're prepared for such an outcome because the gospel has prepared us. Jesus said, What would profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? whoever saves his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it the Christian will happily endure being hated by the world if it means relationship with God for in Jesus we have been given so much so much more than the world could ever offer us friends fix your eyes on the hope that has been secured for us hold fast to the promises of Christ don't look at the wealth and prestige that could be gained from the world but look at the wealth and prestige which has been secured for us in Christ. Nehemiah's enemies have tried to trap Nehemiah a second time they've tried to destroy his reputation and these plans have failed as Nehemiah and the other Jews nearly finished the work on the wall, these enemies try one last time to make the work stop. And this leads us to our third point. Point number three, the plot. Uh, we can see now at this point that Sanballat and the others are now getting desperate. So they try one last time to do away with Nehemiah. Look with me at verses 10 to 14. one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. Let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. They hire Shemiah to prophesy to Nehemiah and say that his life is in danger and Nehemiah is told that the only way to save his life is to go into the temple but Nehemiah refuses why does he refuse? well he gives us two reasons he says should a man of my position flee Nehemiah was the governor of Jerusalem should he dishearten the men building the wall by being the first to flee from danger second to run into the temple is almost asking for a death wish Nehemiah wasn't allowed into the temple the temple was a holy place and only certain people could enter Nehemiah wasn't allowed to enter the temple just because these enemies were after his life if Nehemiah did enter the temple through an unworthy manner he could lose his life and so Nehemiah realizes that this prophet has a message not from God but rather his message has come from man a prophet would never contradict God and his word he realized that this was rather a plot set up by his enemies and Nehemiah shows us something very helpful here just because someone of influence in the church says something does not mean that we take it as true a true teaching or a true word from God Uh, recently I was confronted by a family member and was asked what is the church's teaching on marriage? and sensing a trap I replied "Uh, which church denomination are you referring to? Uh, he said yours I replied a biblical definition of marriage and I told him I think you know what that means Uh, he said "Uh, well the pope would say differently I said the Pope does not teach what the Bible says the Pope in many ways has walked away from God's Word and has become quite liberal and not just him but the Roman Catholic Church has in many ways in many ways turned away from what the Bible teaches us having authority doesn't mean you are always right there are false teachers out there who are distorting God's Word And this is a reminder to us, the Christian, that we need to know what our Bibles are saying. We need to know what God's Word is teaching us. A human teaching will have errors. God's Word doesn't have errors. So I encourage you, Cornerstone, as you listen to Christian teachers, pastors, theologians, as you listen to God's Word here expounded on a Sunday, do it with your Bibles open do it with your Bibles open don't just listen to what is said here on a Sunday and take it as gospel in the book of Acts we reminded that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica why because when they received the word from Paul and Silas they examined the scriptures daily to see if what they were saying was true we are to do likewise we are to hear God's word expounded with Bibles open uh, verse 14 Nehemiah then prays that God remembered these false prophets and that he would administer justice remember as Christians we are not to take justice into our own hands but that where appropriate we are to take action but first and foremost we are to leave the matter with God that he will enact justice for us the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans in chapter 12 he says this do not take revenge my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge I will repay says the Lord on the contrary if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty Give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul says that God will avenge us. Paul even goes one step further than Nehemiah. Paul tells us not to seek vengeance, but he tells us to do good for our enemies. Uh, Jesus tells us that the greatest thing we can do for those that persecute us is to pray for them. We are to pray for those that are hurting us, that are causing us harm. Uh, This is a helpful reminder for us that as we are met with opposition, that as we seek to build God's house, we are to be praying for those who oppose us we are to pray for those that would like to seek and do us harm as we seek to build God's house these first 14 verses in Nehemiah 6 have reminded us that challenges will come our way and that we will be met with opposition but in the midst of trials in the midst of challenges of opposition we are reminded that we are to continue to seek God and to depend on Him and then in these next four verses we now come to our fourth point our fourth point is the wall complete but the house unfinished let me read from verses 15 and 16 please read please follow with me so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. We are told in our passage that after 52 days, 52 days, the wall is finished. Isn't that amazing? In Nehemiah's time to have completed the wall in such a a brief brief span of time is unheard of for after all if we look at the book of Ezra it took two years to lay the foundation of the temple six years to erect the temple and in 52 days the wall is finished and complete how is this possible? we are told in verse 16 with the help of our God It is here when the war is complete in such a short time that ironically the nations around Jerusalem have now become afraid. They have for the last 52 days been trying everything in their power to make Nehemiah and the Jews afraid but it is now them who are fearful. In many ways it would be be great if our passage were to end here. It would end on a happy note and we would expect to read the words and they lived happily ever after but we don't what do we read we'll have a look at verses 17 to 19 with me verse 17 to 19 also in those days the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah and replies from Tobiah kept coming to them For many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was son-in-law to Shechaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Barakiah. Moreover they kept reporting to me his good deeds, and then telling him what I did, and Tobias sent letters to intimidate me. Uh, The wall is finished, but God's house is still unfinished. Uh, The city has been restored but the people have not. The people are still not yet restored. Uh, They still need some work. They still have ties and allegiances to the nations around them. They are still being influenced by them. There is still work to be done. The next part of building God's house is to reform the people. Our sermon series ends here however can I encourage each of you to read the rest of Nehemiah and the attempt made to restore and reform the people of Judah however you will find and spoiler alert that in chapter 13 the people are not yet reformed they are still sinning they are still living for the world and not for God and we know why this is don't we it's because living for the lord isn't just saying yes lord i'm committed my life to you i have made an oath and now i am yours but living for god is more than just words and empty promises what needs to happen well we need to be made gods we need to be tra- changed and transformed by jesus we need to be given the Holy Spirit we need to be equipped by the Holy Spirit to truly be able to say no to sin and yes to Christ it is for this reason that the building of God's household is picked up in the in the New Testament for we brothers and sisters have been equipped through the Holy Spirit to build God's house this task is now given to us to grow God's house through the reaching and maturing of God's saints through sharing the gospel and equipping God's people this is a task given to each of us the people of Judah were given the task to build the wall we too God's people have been called to build God's house A cornerstone we have been given an important task 2021 is just around the corner Uh, let's ensure that our prayers our ministries our interactions our lives are committed to building God's house we have been equipped by God to build his house Let us rise up and build. Let me pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you for this series in Nehemiah, where we have been encouraged to fix our eyes on you as we build this house. Father, we thank you that you have equipped us to build your house through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray, continue to mature us and grow us through your word, that we may be equipped to build and grow the church. Father, we pray, please be with your church, Cornerstone. Help us as we move into 2021 to be a church that builds your house through our prayers, through our ministry, and through our interactions with others. We pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.